We're going to talk about the precious and the powerful blood of Jesus. We are literally honoring as we talk about our Father, about Jesus, the redemptive work that he walked out. You know, we're honoring the Holy Spirit as he reveals that plan to us. So we're so thankful for him today. He'll help you receive, right? So how many of you have ears to hear today? How many of you are just going, you know what? I, I, need, to, I need to hear the voice of God, right? Now, if that, if that statement is boring you, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up for that. You've just been feeding on the wrong thing and looking at the wrong thing. So I want to encourage you to get your eyes on the Lord because it's only the word of God that you hear that you'll get to know eventually. The Bible talks about we continue in his word and then we'll know the truth of his word. And as we have revelation knowledge of the truth of his word, which only comes one way, it comes through the mighty Holy Spirit, that is the word of God that will work in our lives and make us free, cause us to walk in the freedom that we've already been given. Amen? So let's jump into it today. Hallelujah. You know, um, this word has just been blowing up in my heart about trusting in the Lord. All of our trust is in him. I look to no other. I depend on no other. All of my trust is in him. That comes as a result of me knowing him. Amen? Do you know the reason why Jesus came? The reason why he came is so that he can take your place on a cross, die for your sin, be made the curse, and then so that we could be made very, the very righteousness of Almighty God so that God could put the mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of us so that we can know him. That is eternal life, knowing God. Prosperity is not money. Prosperity is in knowing, knowing God. Healing is not when your body changes. Healing is knowing God. That's all part of eternal life. So let's jump into this today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys ready? Now we're going to go through some scriptures that we've went through before, but we're still laying a foundation because where we're going with this is when you understand who you are because of what the blood of Jesus has done for you, now you can do this. Where the blood, you've heard me say this, where the blood flows, the Holy Spirit goes. There's a principle in the word of God that, that is always that. And it's amazing. The Holy Spirit not only wants to be on the inside of you, he wants to come upon you in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What do I mean come upon? Literally, in Ephesians 6, it says, put on the whole armor of God. The word put on is the Greek word enduo. It literally means to be clothed in the armor of God. Well, Jesus told his disciples, I mean, think about it. And this is, this is we got to really look at this. You know, Jesus, after, after he was crucified, he came out of the grave. The Bible says he showed himself to 500 people. They actually saw him. They knew who he was. They're like, wow. 
I'm, I'm standing here looking at you. He told them, don't go out and do anything. You go to Jerusalem until you be endued with power. You know, some pastors, they get a little upset because, you know, maybe not everybody jumps on board right away. But he appeared to 500 people. And how many of them made it to the upper room? 120. You ever think about that? Man, less than 25%. But those 25%, they were clothed with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the baptizer. Well, this is the thing. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for your life because you need power. You need power to walk as Jesus walked in this earth. And so we're still laying a foundation for this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Now these are scriptures that we've went through before, but we're going to peer deeper into them as we give them place and honor them in our lives. I would encourage you, these scriptures that we go through today would be powerful scriptures for you to start meditating on so that you can see them. Because this is what we do now as American Christians. We read it and go, yep, got it. Understand that. Pastor, what's next? Right? But we got it here. But, but we know we, we, we don't know, but you can really tell that we don't really have it because we're not living it. And, and all of a sudden the enemy says, boo, and we start talking stupid. I can't do this. What am I going to do? All this stuff went all the time. It's like, whoa, time out. What did, what did God do for you? Who are you really in Christ? Remember in the Old Testament, the, pro, the progression was, God said, listen, if you will do this, they were not born again, if you will serve me, my word is life, if you'll just do what I say, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, you'll prosper, you'll increase, nobody will ever overtake you, right? If you do this, then I will do this. The progression changed in the New Testament. God didn't change, but the progression changes. Because now, when I come to Christ, and I, I literally, I say, Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead, and now... I believe it so much that I'm committing my life to it. I give you my life. I'm no longer my God. I'm no longer, my life is no longer mine. Now you are my Lord. And then Jesus, the minute I invite him in, the Holy Spirit comes in, makes me a brand new creature in Christ, a new species, a new spirit being, and then he takes up residency in my heart. So now, literally, as a born-again believer, I'm day one, moment one, I am literally given all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I'm literally given everything. I don't even know what I've been given. So it takes the word of God to reveal that. So now the progression is I am in Christ. So I am already the victorious. 
right? I'm already the healed. When was I healed? 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. When was I made prosperous? The blessing of Abraham was given to me. When? Well, the Bible says he was made poor on the cross so that we through his poverty might be made rich. What does that word rich mean? A full and overflowing supply. Well, does that make any sense? Well, of course it does. Because Psalm 23 says, my cup's not full. It says that he anoints my head with oil, so now my cup runs over. Right? So I'm anointed and it brings overflow. Why? Because I'm not here for me. So the Christian who knows that is like, listen, I'm not about things. Now, I enjoy things, but everything is subject to be given to somebody else because I am here, not for me, for somebody else. So it's a different way of living. So now, but there's an enemy. He operates as an outlaw. He comes in another way, right? We know his name is Satan. We know there's demonic influences. What do they come to do? They come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But thank God, Jesus stripped his authority and gave us. He said, listen, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go in my name. Right? He says in Luke 10 or 6:19, behold, I give you authority, delegated authority. We find out from other scriptures in the name of Jesus to have af- absolute mastery over all of the satanic influence and even over all the ability. It says power, but that word means ability of Satan himself and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But will it try? Oh yeah. Weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. But, but wait a minute, Pastor. They are prospering. What's going on? Well, we have to know. Because this, we are to stand. We are to take our authority and exercise it. We are to, remember, we plead the blood of Christ. I rest my case on the blood. Satan, you've got to take your hands off my body. I know you're operating illegally. Jesus bore this sickness and carried this pain. I don't have to. Now you leave. Right? Our dog Zoe does not automatically obey. Right? We have to like, Zoe! Sometimes she gets out in the front yard. Zoe, go in the house. She's just running around. Zoe, go in the house. Zoe! Zoe! Then she runs in the house, right? That's the way Satan is. That's the way these little demons are that are set against you. They're sitting there. They hear you quote a scripture and they're like, okay, are you one of these people that are self-centered, all about yourself? You haven't been meditating in the word. You can quote the scripture, but you don't have revelation of it. It's not, is is it really dwelling in you richly? And how do they know? Because it said, well, you know, Lord, I just thank you that I'm blessed. That little demon's going, yeah, wow. They don't even know how to spell blessed. Right? But when you get excited and you're like, no, you can't have my kids. You you cannot destroy my life. In Jesus' name. And you're like, it is written, it is written, it is written. So the progression now is, because of who I've been made in Christ, I start out the healed, so now sickness has to bow to the name of Jesus. 
I'm not worthy in myself. I have no righteousness in myself, but he made me worthy because of what he did. And now I am standing and clothed, in, or not clothed, I am the very righteousness of Almighty God because of what he did, not because of me. How did I get all of this? I simply had to believe it. It's through faith. Isn't that amazing? So now, the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you know that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If you jump down to verse 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, well, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word abides forever. It's forever settled in heaven. If God says all things are possible to you who believe, that's not subject to change. Isn't that amazing? You and I were redeemed you're not your own anymore. There's no life in that. You're his. You're now one with him. Isn't that good news? So now jump over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. So you and I were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We know the word redeemed means we were purchased out of a place. The delegated influence of darkness. We were purchased out of spiritual death. And we were transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. Redemption taken out of one place because a ransom has been paid and placed somewhere else. You're in a new place this morning. Satan doesn't want you to know that. You're in a place of provision. You're in a place of peace. Right? You're in a place of restoration. In the kingdom of God, he's got to bring everything back that he stole from you. The enemy does. Right? That's Proverbs eleven thirty one. The righteous shall be recompensed. That means repaid while they're in the earth. Man, some of you older saints should be going, hey, this is awesome. Right? I'm no longer on a fixed income because, man, I could look back and go, wow, Satan has stole a lot from me. He's got to bring it all back. But it doesn't happen automatically. You have to exercise your right as a child of God. You exercise, you do the word of God. Now, it's just like Moses. Remember, the children of Israel, I mean, they're crying out to him. They're like, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt. I mean, they just saw... All these plagues, all this stuff, they come out of Egypt. Every one of them are healed. There's not one feeble one among them. They come to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, good feeling gone. They're standing before the Red Sea, and the most powerful army in the world is coming behind them to, to, to kill them. 
Moses prays to the Lord and goes, oh Lord, you, you know, deliver us. And God rebukes him. He's saying, what are you talking to me about this for? Use what I gave you. Use the staff. Right? What is, the, what is Moses? He's a type of a New Testament believer. What is the staff? It's a type of the name of Jesus. God's telling Moses, don't, don't complain to me. Use the name and part the Red Sea and cross over on dry ground. Could you imagine? So what did Moses do? Did he stand there and go, man, I wonder how deep that sea is. I mean, I, how in the world? Could you imagine if he was like, how in the world? The angel of the Lord that's keeping the Egyptian army from him would be like, are, are you going to do it? Or am I going to have to stand here longer to keep this army from killing you, right? So finally, what? no, Moses doesn't try to figure out how. God, how are you going to heal me of cancer? How are you going to heal my marriage? How are you going to get my kids where they need to be? Or the big one, how in the world, if you're like me, how in the world are you ever going to get me to the place that I'm supposed to be? Right? But no, Moses didn't do that. Because he knew God, he just obeyed him. And he's like, okay. So he uses the staff, and what happens? When he uses the staff, it says God parted the Red Sea, and they went over on dry ground. When you use the name, then God moves. When you exercise your right, I plead the blood. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my health because I'm a child of God. I've been given. Jesus already did this. You can't do it. So in the name of Jesus, stop, leave. I bind you. What happens there? Then God goes to work. And he backs up what you're saying. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But you'll never do that if you don't trust him. Right? So that's why he's given us... The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, We've not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God, so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. So we simply, listen, when you read the Bible, the reason why we have all these silly doctrines is because it's, it's just too good to be true. But that's what the word gospel means, a message that's too good to be true, right? So Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, look at this, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's a little vague in the King James. Giving thanks. It's the Greek word eucharisto. Because of what the blood has done for you. Eucharisto is constantly giving thanks to the Father. We walk around all day going, wow, I'm born again. I'm his I'm brand new. I have a future. I'm not to be dictated by the things of this world. No, I am dictated by the word of God now. I'm his. And, and here's the thing. He's mine. Right? I am his and he's mine. 
I love that. But see, we got to really go back to the Song of Solomon and make sure we say it right. It's not, I am his and he is mine. Right? Song of Solomon, in that, in that, in that passage of Scripture, it says, my beloved is mine and I am his. In other words, the reason why she was able to give herself to her husband is because she knew he had already given himself to her. Sounds a lot like 1 John, 1 John right? Chapter 4. We love him because we have a revelation knowledge that he first loved us. Man, I'll tell you, Jesus is irresistible. Right? That's why Jeremiah said, your, wor- your words were found and I did eat them. And they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Like one of David's psalms, as the deer pants after the water brook, so does my very soul pant after you, O God. Man, God wants you to know him intimately. And you could tell when a person knows him intimately because it changes every priority in their life. God becomes number one in everything because you're just so grateful. It it dispels worry, it dispels fear because you know, though I'm walking through this valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil because he's with me, right? Constantly giving thanks Unto the Father, which, had, which hath, past tense, made us. This Greek word made us, kazu, it literally means qualified us. Guess what? We aren't qualified because of what we've done. We've been made qualified. Isn't that amazing? He qualified us so that we would be meet, or that Greek word means able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You have been made able. You can lay hold of your inheritance because of what God's done for you. Isn't that amazing? So if, if, you're, if you're fighting sickness, you could lay hold of healing. If there's a financial situation, you could lay hold of it. God made you able to lay hold of your inheritance. Verse 13, who hath, again, past tense... Now, this verse is in the Greek aorist tense. I love this tense in the Greek because it means that the action that it's going to speak about is viewed as a one-time, complete action, never to have to be done again. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, as you're sitting here this morning, doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what it looks like, God's word says that you, in the past, actually way before you were ever born, this happened on the cross, you were once and for all delivered from the delegated influence of the kingdom of darkness And you were transferred into, once and for all, into the kingdom of God. You're in the kingdom right now. 
Do you see how we got to renew our minds to this? Because what happens is when you start when you start getting light on this, you're like, wait, time out. Why am I putting up with this stuff? And this, this was not just the kind of a passing little thing with God. It took the death of God's son. He had to come to this earth, take on the form of man, and bleed out and die. In order, he had to take our place in order for this to happen. Then it goes on, verse 14, in whom we have, this word have means we own and we possess redemption. Wow. Redemption. This Greek word means the releasing effective, affected by a payment of a ransom. We possess redemption. This ransom was paid for me. It was the very blood of Jesus Christ. When you start getting light on some of these things, your own little silly self-centered ideas seem really ridiculous. Right? We have Christians that are living their own life and in a very short time, they're going to stand before the master and they're going to just shrink back because, wow, I just live for myself. Right? We have people deciding. It's, it's literally hilarious. People decide, well, I don't think I'll really read and study the Bible this week. It's like, well, t- time out. Who's your Lord? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I'll forgive this person. You know, I just, you know, let me, let me pray about if I should maybe help out in my local church. I mean, I'm sure Jesus is going to, okay, Holy Spirit, we got to help this person because they don't, they've forgotten who they are. I just, I just don't have time to go to church. I'm, I'm kind of tired. Pastor, I want you to help me. Now, I don't like to read, so I'll never read my Bible. And I, I don't like to come to church because I'm really busy. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm getting this new business off the ground and I, I've got this job and I'm just too busy because I'm too tired are you guys straining right now do we do we hand you a dumbbells when you come to church and you're like okay as long as i'm preaching man you got to do squats (laughs) or today we're going to do a jericho lunge workout no i can't go to church today because man i was sore from the last service no you sit there but you're not inactive you're spiritually active right You've been made free. God has placed you in a position now where you can dominate in the earth. Where you can actually be light in a dark world. Have you noticed that Satan is kind of active? He's very serious about what he's doing. Right? Very, very committed. You know, you see different religions in the world, how committed they are. I think of living in Fairfield, Iowa. These people were committed. Two times a day, they would go, they would, they would leave their work two times a day. They would leave their work and drive to these gold domes in Fairfield and sit and meditate two times a day. Chanting within their mind, 
the name of a Hindu god. They thought it was their own little mantra. They were totally committed to that. You know, there's people totally committed to nonsense. And then you've got Christians that are totally uncommitted to life. But I'm here to tell you, this is the key. You can't change yourself. God doesn't even want you to. The word will transform your life. So wherever you are today, don't beat yourself up because there's no, if you're in Christ, there's no guilt and condemnation to those that be in Christ. Well, how do I know I'm in Christ, man? I'm kind of living my own life. Well, if you've accepted Christ, his spirit dwells within you. If his spirit is within you, according to Romans, you're in Christ. So all you got to do now, you're already in. All you got to do is maybe fix some behavior But you can't fix the behavior, so what you do is you let the word fix the behavior. And you just put it first place. I mean, I'm looking at a lot of people that are in process with that, right? You're looking at somebody that's constantly in process with that. I've given up trying to change myself. Have you ever tried that? I mean, New Year's resolutions, aren't they fun? It stinks going to a gym in January. Because everybody's there working out. But you know, it's okay, you can put up with the crowds, because you know February 1st is coming. (laughs) And it'll be empty, right? Could you imagine how much money has been spent on gym equipment to hang laundry on? (laughs) Don't show hands, you don't have to show hands. Helen, you already told on yourself, it's all right. We're, We're all right with you, we're all right with you, there we go. So it says, we'll just move on on that one. So it's, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And remember, we've been talking about this word. The word forgiveness is the Greek word aphesis. It's way beyond forgiveness. It literally means that your sins have been forgiven. Number two, the penalty of the sin has been completely erased. And here's the cool thing. The third part of Ephesus is, and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of the sin has been removed. Yeah, but pastor, I still feel guilty. Well, yeah, you're believing the enemy. He's throwing thoughts and you're just believing them. But remember what Jesus said about him? He's a liar, and the truth's not in him. So if you ever hear something in your mind that says, you know, this, you just can't do this. This is not working out. Could that possibly be God? No, that's the enemy. Because the word doesn't say that. So you know it's the enemy. So you almost feel like thanking him. Wow, he just told me this is not working out. That by default, because he never tells the truth. Thank you, Satan. You just confirmed that it's going good. I'm closer than I've ever been. You're getting a I mean, there's some sweat on your brow right now because I'm about to work this out, right? And I'm going to walk free. And what that means, Satan, is everybody who doesn't know God is going to see the freedom, and that's how they're going to come to know God. See, you are to leave an eternal footprint. I've been redeemed by his blood, and it has produced a perfect righteousness in me. 
What is, a, what is a perfect righteousness? As we've said before, it's a righteousness that I did not produce. Right? Now, if you guys after the service want to talk to Lisa, she will tell you that I've never made a mistake. I've never said anything wrong. You know, I've just been perfect all these years, right? None of you are allowed to talk to her after the service. Because, time out. And, and my wife either, just, you know. No, we're all... We're all a work in progress, but when you realize who you are, see holiness, your behavior, flows out of righteousness. So when you start going over here and are saying stupid things or doing stupid things, the word will pull you back. But if you you get into shame and guilt and condemnation, if you allow the enemy to put that back on you, Have you noticed the shame of your sin will drag you back into the sin? That's what what always happens. That's how come Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, therefore, right? There is therefore now, now that Christ came out of the grave, there's no condemnation to those that are in him. Why? Because his blood produced a perfect righteousness. The power of sin has been broken in our lives. So now God doesn't look at us in our sin anymore. Why? Because our sin has been eradicated. I love that. Verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. The Greek word reconcile literally means to call back into union to restore to favor with God everything that was lost. He did that. He brought everything back. In other words, the redemptive work of Jesus literally brought man back. Have you remember? You've heard me say this, haven't you? What what God did through Jesus is so much greater than what Satan did through Adam. It can't even be compared. So now, if you were to see your spirit being, there is no residual from Adam anymore. You have been made a new creature. And that new creature that you've been made is to take the word of God and renovate your unrenewed mind, and it is to take authority and tell your body what it's going to do. Right? We are to run our own body. It says this, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And then it says, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Verse 21, and you who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled wow how did he do it verse 22 in the body of his flesh through death god restored you completely through literally the death of jesus he was made to be sin for your sin what does that mean it literally means he was made to bear your sin on his body When he was on the cross, 
the sins of the whole world, all humanity, everybody who had lived, everybody who will ever live, all of it was placed upon him. Wow. He bore your sin. He was the innocent sin sacrifice. He who knew no sin bore all of mankind's sin. Why? So that you and I would be able to be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Him. This is not a light thing. You are a child of God. This is amazing. You have literally been given the ability now to walk in the very essence of life that God has on the earth. To walk as Jesus walked. Now remember, this is not my idea. This is not my opinion. This is the Bible, right? It says here, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. The blood of Christ literally, literally presents us holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. That means unreprovable, not, mere, not just unaccused or unaccusable, but unaccused, free from all legal charge. When the Father looks at you, because of the blood of Jesus, he sees you in Christ. He sees you holy, unblameable, unreprovable. And he has written these epistles so that you can gain revelation knowledge of his word and see yourself the way he sees you. Again, even saying this stuff, if there's any little religious cobwebs in you, I could feel a couple tugging on me. It's like, wow. Because why? Well, you start to look at, well, man, I kicked, I kicked the dog this morning. I did this. I, I spoke. No, listen, your behavior flows out of your revelation knowledge of, who, of your identity, of your righteousness. But if you don't have a right identity, then your behavior is going to be whacked. If you are looking at wrong things, you're going to start thinking about wrong things, and then you're going to start believing wrong things, and then you're going to start acting and speaking wrong. That's Romans chapter 10, isn't it? But man, if you'll just literally start hearing right things, you'll start thinking right. And then all of a sudden, you'll start believing right, and then you'll start speaking and acting right. So again, we get right back to the Word of God. If you're having any problems in your life, because here's the, here's the bummer about being a Christian. See, if, before you were saved, you'd go out and sin. You weren't really happy anyway, but at least you could enjoy it. But now that you're born again, your spirit goes, what are you doing? And you just have this, Ugh. right? So, so your own spirit is convicting you of this stuff. But if you'll just go back, see, everybody's like, well, I just don't understand. I just have, I keep messing up. I just don't, I don't understand. Well, okay, the, how, how many, how much time have you spent nourishing your spirit with the word of God? Well, you know, I was just really busy this week. Oh, well, okay. We, you don't need counseling. You're not in the Word. So you're blind. You don't know who you are. You don't know who God is. You're trying to figure everything out in your life. It's no problem. Here, here's the prescription. 
Just go back and start getting in the word. That's, that's it, right? Well, I just need, I need, you know, pastor, can I set up daily counseling with you for 350 years so that I could wa- work this out? No, you don't need that. But, but you probably would really benefit for twice a week counseling with me. Actually, you could do three times if you want. Because if you want to stay 8.45 and then 11, and then 7 on Wednesday, but just one service on Sunday and one service on Wednesday, actually don't stay for two, because you need to at least be working in one of them. Right? Every parent should be. If you're coming to church and doing nothing, don't look at your kids if they don't want to wash the dishes at home. (laughs) Right? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I, I could not even imagine. When, when I was a kid, I was an only child, and everybody thought, oh, you're an only child. You're spoiled. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. My mom ran a beauty shop in our house. I, to this day, I could fold towels probably faster than all of you guys. <laughs> I did all the towels. I cleaned the, I cleaned the beauty shop. I cleaned our house. I did all the lawn work. And when you have a personality like mine... We had a brick sidewalk. So for most people, they wouldn't really think of a brick sidewalk. But even when I was in fifth grade, it really bothered me that grass would grow in between the bricks. So, you know, and, and, and this is the way my stepdaddy come out, they planted hedges. So you got to trim the hedges. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm 10 years old. I'm like, Okay, what, how do you do that? I was so glad when we got an electric trimmer, right? Because, and then you got to mow the grass. And have you ever seen those mowers? They have two little tires and blades, and you got to push them. But this one was gotten at a garage sale. So, I mean, I, that's probably why I'm as strong as I am, because it's like, you know, you're trying. I, I'm just like, Lord, give us, give me a brother or sister, another slave that could help out. Could you imagine if I went to my mom or my dad and said, you know, I, I, I just got a lot going on in my life. You know, I just, um, I, I'm not playing as many hours as I want. And, and this, so I, I've just decided I'm not going to vacuum the house anymore. Could you imagine if Sarah or David came up to us? Growing up, we'd be like, seriously? It's kind of like, Parents who ask their kids if they want to go to church. What? <laughs> I better get going here. Because I might go as far as saying, but then we, you know, I did a lot of youth ministry. To where you have youth going, Mom, Dad, will you please come to church? Gets a little crazy, doesn't it? So, here we go. What do you think? Holy, unblameable, unaccusable that's you pastor stop meddling say it shout me down i'm holy i'm unblameable i'm unaccusable amen amen i'm with you that's good that's good let's jump over to hebrews let's talk about the blood a little more hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 you know what's so funny i could mess with you guys do you know some pastors live in a world where they get emails and they get all this stuff. You shouldn't have said this and da da. I never get any of that. You guys just love me. Thank you. I don't know why God did it to you, but I'm your pastor. You just got, might as well embrace it, you know? Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Boy, Lisa and I could tell you stories about me growing up. You would probably just laugh. It's hilarious. Aren't you glad that God never gives up on you? He'll never give up on you. You know why? Because he just loves you so much, but he also, he's God. He sees you as you really are. You might think you're a mess, but he doesn't see a mess. Right? He sees who you really are. And I'm telling you, as you peer into the word of God, you will start seeing who Jesus is, and all of a sudden you'll start seeing who you are because our whole identity, who we are, comes from him. So in Hebrews 9, again, another scripture we've talked about, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus took his blood into the tabernacle in heaven and put it on the mercy seat. And now his blood speaks forever that we are eternally redeemed. Satan has no legal right. We are his. It says, neither by, or I'm sorry, for if, verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes, ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. This is talking about all the Old Testament sacrifices. I'm so glad I'm a New Testament pastor and not an Old Testament priest. Hi, welcome to the priesthood. You've studied your whole life. Here's a knife. You get to, you get to slit the ox's throat all day. Right? Your nickname is Red. Right? Just wham. Right? But see, that wasn't enough. It just covered their sin for a season. But it says, how much more shall the very blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, without spot to God, look at this, purge or cleanse. That word Purge means cleanse in the Greek language. Your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It just causes you. I remember when, when I was literally 17, almost 18 years old, and I came to this church, and I just, I just wanted to serve God because I started seeing some things of what he's done for me. I just, you know, I, I told the pastor, I'm like, I'll do anything. You know, I was an only child, so I'm really good at cleaning. You know, so I cleaned the church. Did children's ministry. I did everything but change diapers. Where there's boundaries to the gifts inside of you. That was a major boundary. <laughs> Moving on. Right? I'm telling you, if you're not serving the Lord... You've got to understand what the blood has done for you and it'll cause you to serve him. And, and not serve him for yourself. You know, do you know how many people I've watched over decades now that they just have to do their own thing? There's just, they, they literally in their life, you, all, you talk to them, you know, there's just something that I'm supposed to do. And they're doing nothing in their local church. 
and they're in their 20s. And then they're in their 30s. You know, there's just something that I need to do. God, and, and you know, I, I, got, I went to this one meeting and they prophesied that I would change the world by this ministry. You, you know, all this stuff. And then, then all of a sudden they're in their 40s and they're doing nothing for God. And then I've sat in living rooms when they're in their 70s. And, and, the, and is there something that, that God wants them to do that's very big? Yeah. But until you're faithful in something that God gave to someone else, he can't give you your own thing. You know, and, and people don't understand some of this stuff. The greatest leadership message is in Joshua chapter 1. It talks about Joshua was Moses' minister. He dedicated his life to, to doing anything Moses wanted to do. And look what Joshua did in his life. I think of Keith Moore. I mean, he's ironed Brother Hagin's clothes. You know, he's, he did all this. He, he had, I mean, he's booked everywhere as a traveling minister. And the Lord says, hey, I thought I told you to help Brother Hagin. So he called him up and he, and he said, Dad, hey, is, can I help you? And Brother Hagin says, yeah, that'd be great. So Keith called everybody that he had secured meetings with, right? You got a ministry, you got overhead. He called them all and said, listen, here's the deal. I'll still come, but this is the way I have to be. Because Brother Hagin, sometimes the day that I'm supposed to go somewhere and minister, he might call me up and say, hey, Keith, could you come with me? And he goes, if he does, I'll have to cancel my meeting with you. Now, if you and he goes, I understand if you can't be that flexible, then just cancel the meeting. And Keith Moore said this. He said, because it was more needful for the body of Christ for me to help Brother Hagin as he was older than for me. But look at what Keith's doing now. Right? I think of Tim and Rhonda Rogers that were here. Tim comes off the mission field with this dynamic ministry. He's working in the mail room at Rama. Year after year after year. He starts, he starts complaining a little bit, going, God, I'm called into the ministry. And the Lord tells him, you are in the ministry. Sealing up boxes, stamping them, sending books all over the world. But I'm so glad he did that because now he's rocking. Him and his wife are rocking the whole nation of Mexico. See, so this, why am I saying this? Because there's greatness in you and this is how it comes out. You forget everything you want to do for God and you just fall in love with him. And it will propel your life. All of a sudden you'll wake up one day and go, wow, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Man, I wrote books, went to concerts, bought the t-shirt, wore it in pride, doing your own thing, doing everything except what God's called me to do. I am so glad that I'm in the will of God. I'm so glad. Now, if you would have told me I'd be pastoring, I mean, I laugh because I love the ocean. When I moved to Southern California, that's heaven. You know, we, we visit you guys. We're like, wow, this is it. Now, you know, I don't know that I'd want to live there now with the craziness. But I think I could suffer for Jesus at the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> but what does God do? God's plan was that I be as far from the Pacific Ocean as I could, or from an ocean that I could get. I live right in the middle of the country. But you couldn't drag me away because this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's the desire of my heart. And it's home. And it's, and it's literally where I'm supposed to be. 
There's nothing like being in the will of God, but to get in the will of God, you've got to understand who you are and what the blood has done for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus Christ, as you get a revelation of it, will silence all these voices of guilt and shame and condemnation, worry, fear. It silences them all. Romans 3.24, being justified. That means made righteous freely. That means we were made righteous without any effort, without any charge, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Did you really hear that verse right there? Because what that verse says is now that Jesus went to the cross, your actions don't make you righteous. Faith in Jesus makes you righteous. So stop working for something. Just work out what he's working in, right? I love that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, this is for any man, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you jump down to verse 21, it tells how that happened. It says, for he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him. Wow. See, other religions give you lessons and they give you philosophy. All the other religions. Christianity gives you life. The Bible is not about lessons. It's about life. Right? The Word of God says, as the Father has life in Himself, so has He given the Son to have life in Himself. And then Jesus said, listen guys, there's a thief. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that you would have life, the same quality of life as God the Father has. That's what we're talking about. That's the message. He's come to give you life. He wants you to walk in it. And he's given you the mighty Holy Spirit to help you. Jesus gives you life. So now I have faith in the blood. I don't have faith in myself. I have faith in the blood. I rest my case in the blood. And this brings me to a place of no doubt, of no wavering. If God said it, then I believe it, and I'm not moving from this position because I know he's faithful. No doubt, no wavering. To trust God means to be totally dependent upon him and nothing else and no one else. Totally dependent. That's where you start living life at the God level, right? Look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37, we're going to look at verse 3. Look at the progression about trust in God. It says, trust in the Lord and do good, and so shall you dwell in the land. 
and verily you shall be fed. Goes on to say, verse 6, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, which are literally expressions of the, God's will for your life. But then look at this. It says, Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And who's going to bring it to pass? He will. And he will bring it to pass. That desire that's in your heart, you're not even the one that brings it to pass. He will, but he's unable to if you don't commit your way to him. Do you know there's believers that sit in church and they'll sit under the word of God, but because they're so self-centered that they don't see it, they get all these weird beliefs and it gets all confusing about everything. When it's really simple, commit your way to him, trust also in him, and then he'll bring it to pass. Isn't that amazing? That sounds a lot like Proverbs chapter 3, doesn't it? Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on your mind's conclusions. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. That means in all my ways, I acknowledge him. I, I, I go to the word of God. What, what am I to do? In all my ways, I acknowledge him. And then what does it say? He then is able to direct your paths. Right? Isaiah 26 Verse 3 and 4, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Do you know when you're in perfect peace, there's no turmoil? Right. right? It's a place of rest. Who is he able to keep in perfect peace? Those whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. See, you can't keep your mind on God if you don't trust in him. You can't trust him if you don't know him. And I've got good news for you today. His spirit dwells on the inside of you so that you can know him. He'll help you, right? It says here in verse four, trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah he is everlasting strength. That word strength can be translated strength, but it could also be translated a refuge. He's not only my strength, he's my secret place, he's my refuge. But notice that the Bible is identifying trusting God as keeping your mind on him. Have you ever, ever, has anyone here, maybe it's just me, but have you ever had something try to pull your mind to think about other things, maybe once in a while, right? I mean, you're sitting in church, you're sitting under the anointing. I mean, I don't want to show, see a show of hands because I already know. How many of you have thought about anything else while I've been preaching, right? I wish you would move on. I wish you wouldn't say that. I didn't eat breakfast this morning, man. I'm hungry, right? That bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit at McDonald's it sound, even sounds good. But, you know, first watch with the bacon, you know, the smell of the bacon and the biscuits and the gravy, you know, all that stuff, right? See, I'm sensing a hunger level growing in our church right now. So, see, how do you trust God? 
The ability to trust God only comes one way. It comes from gaining revelation knowledge of his word. Right? Because remember, God and his word are one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Right? God and his word are one. So this is how you trust God. Revelation knowledge of his word. And think about it. You have the mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He is the agent of divine revelation. He will literally open the word to anyone who is hungry for it. I love this. So I'll say this. Jeremiah chapter 17. Boy, there's so much more I want to say. Jeremiah chapter 17 in verse 5. I love verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 because it gives us a picture of what we've been talking about. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. The Bible says, Cursed is the man that trusts in man. This is talking about trusting in people. Right? And it says here, And makes flesh his arm. Not only trusting in other people, but now makes flesh his arm means now I'm trusting in my own ability. If you're trusting in your own ability, if you're trusting in others, the Bible says you're cursed. This word cursed means, now, now check this out, it means to be inflicted with a curse. Now we're not talking about the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from that. But this word means to, be, to inflict with a curse. It literally means to bind with a spell. You're starting to see a pattern, aren't you? When you trust in man or when you're trusting in your own ability to make it work, now your thought life is going to start being affected in a wrong way. It literally means to be hemmed in with obstacles. Have you ever had that happen? To the point where you're like, man, I don't understand. This is just not working out. And then, well, what happened? Well, maybe I'll go do this. And then you go in here and it's like, no, that doesn't work. And then you come over here, oh, no, that doesn't work. You're being hemmed in with obstacles. This, this Hebrew word means to be rendered powerless to resist. In other words, if you're trusting in people today, or if you're trusting in your own self, your own ability, your own intellect, your own education, your own training, all this stuff, you're going you're gonna to eventually be rendered powerless to resist. Resist what? Well, we know the enemy comes one way. He comes throwing blow after blow, thought after thought to try to penetrate your mind to confuse you and to steal from you. It says, this man will be like a heath. Now this is a simile. A heath is a desert bush, a juniper bush specifically. This bush is isolated. This bush is destitute. The person that does this will be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes. So in other words, God's trying to bless you, but you don't even see it. Or I should, I should get the tense right. God's already blessed you, but you don't see it. 
right? You will not see when, when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places. Parched place. That's a place where lack of water keeps plants from growing. In other words, trusting in people and trusting in yourself positions you in a place where no growth can happen. Do you hear the word of God this morning? In the wilderness, notice, not in the promised land. In the wilderness, well, you know, God's just taken me through the wilderness. Dude, you've been in the wilderness for 10 years. It was supposed to be an 11-day journey. Okay? Jesus, he was going to redeem all mankind. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. You've been in the wilderness for 10 years. Something's wrong. Does that make sense? Right? Why, why are you still there? Pastor, don't tell me, well, I'm just burnt out. I'm a pastor. I'm doing so much. No, no, you're not in the word. You're not nourishing yourself. You're doing all this nonsense. You're worrying. You're fretting. You're trying to make this ministry happen, which you can't do. You've been rendered powerless to resist these thoughts from the enemy because you're trusting in yourself. Right? Do you know, literally, without the anointing of God, without the Holy Spirit, I couldn't do anything I do as a pastor? Right? It's amazing. It says not only that, it gets worse. In a salt land. That's a land that can't produce. Go plant a garden next year and just pour salt. Just work it into your soil and please don't bring me any fruit. There probably won't be any, right? But that's where, this is what's happening to people. Christians, they're, they're in a salt land. They're in the wilderness. They're, they're confused. And the whole thing is, listen, God's not mad at you. You are just trusting in yourself and trying to make it work. Give it up. You can't make this stuff work. Right? He will do that for you. He'll direct your paths. And it says, and it's also a land that's not inhabited, which means you'll feel very alone. You'll walk around going, nobody understands because nobody's going through what I'm going through. And do you know, here's the thing. You could be part of a church that has thousands of members. You can be around people all the time and be totally alone. Right? But it says, but blessed... <laughs> Are you guys... You're like, we're ready for verse 7 and 8, man. Pastor, come on. You know, plus you've been going for a while. You need to, you need to stop, right? Okay. I'm about ready. The Lord's... Just, I'm just about ready. Verse 7. Ble you know what it means when a pastor says he's closing, right? It means absolutely nothing. So, but, but I really am. So, blessed, verse 7, is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Do you get that? The blessed man is the one who's present day trusting in the Lord and whose future hope is all in the Lord. I not only know that God's with me, but I know he has a future for me. I know what has happened in my life has not taken him off guard and he has future for me. He has victory for me. He has triumph for me. He has restoration for me. You're blessed if you know that. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. So God will plant you in a place where now you have all of your nourishment coming from within 
not coming from without. Doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. I'm planted. This is why you need to be planted where God wants you. Go try to plant yourself where you're not supposed to be. No provision there, right? It says you'll be planted, you'll be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. See, when you're cursed, you don't see when good comes. But when you trust, you don't see, it's not moving you at all, whatever's happening on the outside. This is huge. But her leaf shall be green. That means it'll always be fresh. I open the Bible, it's fresh. I get up in the morning, it's fresh. Everything is fresh in my life. Why? Because my present is taken care of and my future is taken care of. It's all in him. And I shall not be careful in the year of drought, which means, listen, it doesn't matter if lack comes, it does not affect me. I never look and go, well, I better hang on to some extra stuff. I don't even think that way because all my trust is in the Lord. I know my provision comes with him. So I could give away everything that I have knowing that he'll refill it. Neither shall be careful in the year of drought. And here's the big thing. You'll never cease from yielding fruit. It's awesome. When you trust God, it empowers you to walk in the victory and the triumph that God has for you. When you trust the Lord, the blessing of God is able to be released into your life. It's amazing. God today is not withholding from you. Right? We, keep, we sit here and go, you know, we're just, we're just, we're waiting for the Lord to move. He's waiting for us to move. Amen?